Welcome back into One Winning Pod, where it is a somber moment, a very unfortunate moment. We're mourning the fact that the Ravens lost a preseason game. We almost didn't even do the pod this week. I don't know how we're recovering here. Honestly, I, I commend us both for having the courage to come on the airwaves and to just face the facts face the facts that the Ravens are an imperfect preseason team uh, for the first time in since 2014 or, or 2015. I can't remember. It was so long ago. Alec, how are you holding in over there with uh, this devastating news? I'll be honest with you. I was really shooken up about it. <laughs> you know, I heard that there were people that got really upset about the national media paying attention to the streak and wanted it to be over to stop getting the attention. And I was like, I cannot imagine not wanting to win. I'm all about winning. I wanted to win every darn game that the Ravens go on the field. I don't care if it's preseason. I don't care what is going on. Now, I wouldn't sacrifice the health of the players. I would never put in like a star to try to win a game. I would never play my starters against second and third stringers for a whole half to try to break someone else's preseason streak, for instance. I would never do any of those things. But what I would do is try to win a game. And I think the Ravens did try to do that. And while I was inconsolable at the end of the game, absolutely inconsolable, just rolling in in tears and and misery one peter kokoris came in and said like a prophet you know the ravens have never ever won a super bowl where they didn't lose in the preseason and specifically lose in landover maryland and at that moment i saw in my peripheral one dr strange holding up a finger being like this is the one timeline <laughs> we're going to the super bowl baby <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. I mean, the streak was fun. The streak was fun. And at the little at the end of this episode, we're going to do a little bit of a look back. Um, I actually did uh, do take a little bit of time to like look back at some of the games that happened during that time and some of the players, some of the plays. I put together a top five playlist uh, from, from that streak, um, highlight some of the players who played well. Um, I didn't have enough time to really remember all of them because a lot of those guys obviously have moved on to different teams or are no longer in the NFL. But it'll do a little bit of a fun, you know, look back on the streak because I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, you you always want to celebrate anything your team does well. And even if winning preseason games is not really an end goal, um, it's still cool that they were able to put that together and, you know, put that uh, product out there. Give us something in August to to root for, uh, particularly on the years when the Orioles were not good. But now the Orioles are good, so we don't need winning preseason. So there you go. <laughs> but um, and yeah, that is a crazy that you know, uh, just coincidentally, we've always lost in Landover on any year when we've won the Super Bowl. Now those those two years we won the Super Bowl, those were regular season losses. This was a preseason loss. So we'll see if that matters. But uh, still, it, it was a rite of passage for both those teams, and it might be for this one as well if anything it just shows the efficiency of doing it all in one preseason game versus having doing it in the regular season which is a key to the fact this will be the most efficient super bowl victory of all time be undeniable a no doubter there you go guys look at this you get all these analytics for free here look at this we don't give you any 4.99 subscription fee for this we just yeah. give it right to you man no patreon we tried that no one cared <laughs> <laughs> It's because our content was too good for Patreon. They looked at it and they were just like, I, f- I feel offended paying that little. 
for that content. That's right. I, I don't know how much I would pay. So, you know, <laughs> that's right. They were like, these, Anyways, picks, these DFS picks are so good that <laughs> I'll make too much money from this membership. I can't possibly, possibly consider giving them money. No, but let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about it, man. Like we got here a defense that had its ups and downs, more downs than I'd like to see. Now, granted, like I mentioned, I alluded to in my uh, preamble that the commanders decided that playing their their ones or most of their ones for a whole half was how they wanted to spend this preseason game. More power to them. They do have a lot of younger pieces. They have to see what they have and how. And honestly, I was pretty stoked that the Ravens only gave up 17 points in that scenario. I thought they played pretty darn well, considering like we think of Terry McLaurin and Dotson as two like very good pass catchers, excellent wide receivers. How looks competent. He doesn't look like total garbage. I think like that was good to keep them somewhat quiet. They definitely got a lot of catches, I would say, that were like a little disappointing, but they never broke anything too crazy or never seemed to have that much separation. They were always just like catching in and getting tackled real quick. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think, again, we talked about last week putting the defensive struggles in, in within the context of the the quarterback caliber that they were playing uh, in that game, particularly being, with it being a preseason. And and in this case, they played against a guy who is trying to prove that he's a starting quarterback in this league and is at least going to get the nod to be the starter for the beginning of the season. And yeah, like I said, I think Howell looks fine for them. Um, I, he looks like someone who, who could be an Andy Dalton-esque passer for them. He's got good receiving weapons. Like you said, they were out there for a while. So... When we take that into account with the defense, I, I think they played pretty well. You also have to remember that they got that touchdown there at the end, which was set up by a, a bit of a fluke play. Uh, James Prochet, uh, misfortune continues to follow the man, unfortunately. I don't know which football gods lawn his dog shit in because he's just not getting any of the love there. Uh, had that interception that got returned to midfield. So, you know, you look at that swing, the Ravens could have could have um, gone up by a touchdown there. Well, that probably would have been two scores, and then maybe it would have been a little easier for the defense there with the commanders having to travel further with less time on the clock. But, yeah, I mean, overall, there was definitely some good here on the defense, and I guess we'll start talking with that because when we're looking at these position groups, there's a lot of them, like inside linebacker. We're going to talk about some coverage issues that were there, but – those don't bother you as much because we know that Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are going to get the majority of the snaps there, assuming good health, right? So, like, struggles by by Welsh and Ross aren't as as glaring. But um, we really wanted to see really good play from, from these cornerbacks because, unfortunately, um, I forget if this news was there since the last time recorded. I, I think it happened after. We know that Marlon Humphrey's going to be missing some time with, with a foot surgery, so... Cornerback depth was already an issue before that. Now it's more so. So we wanted to see good play from some of these backups. And a guy who had a really good game against the Eagles had another good game here in our Darius Washington. And, uh, you know, he's looking like he could step in and, and be the slot corner uh, starting in week one. Uh, he's had an excellent preseason. And in some ways, I think this game was even better than how he played against Philly. I agree. He had another great performance, able to get three pass deflections, and one of them was absolutely like all that he had, so to speak. 
in order to try to maintain pound sign the streak. And uh, I thought that was pretty good. And it's becoming pretty clear. They gave him an interview at the end of the game. Um, and, you know, he talked about how they're still fighting for their roster spots. But I think his fight's over. I think he's got his his roster spot at this point because he's playing really well. He's showing that he can be a nickel. And we've been looking for one. This could allow Kyle Hamilton to play strong safety. And I think, I mean, we need we need backups to Kyle either way, even if they want to play him at nickel. Ardarius is a slightly different body type, obviously. <laughs> Just slightly. But uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a, uh, a good positional depth piece slash, you know, if he starts, he starts. So I, I, I'm very excited about his his play. I mean, we kind of start with the best player, in my opinion, uh, at least the best player of this preseason game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely. Uh, so yeah, you're talking about body types. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, six foot four, 220 pounds. Or Darius Washington, five foot eight, 176. I did not realize that there was that big of a difference between the two. But <laughs> yeah, um, they, now as you pointed completely out, completely different. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a that's a difference, but um. Yeah, Ardarius definitely played well. Uh, you love to see that play. I'm, I'm sure the coaches love that play at the end there where you gave it all for that pass deflection. Could have saved the game, but more had to be played. Um, and another guy who played well in the secondary, maybe didn't make as big of an impact, but uh, Kevin Seymour, veteran journeyman, had been on the Ravens past couple seasons, bounced around the NFL before that. Uh, might finally be coming into his own at 29. We'll see. It was just you know, just the preseason, but uh, he made some good plays too. Now, again, a, a guy that you don't really want to see a ton of in the regular season, but we might need to, you know, because we don't know what we have with Rocky Sin. We don't know um, who's a Darby that they signed uh, after uh, Humphrey's injury was announced. Kevin Seymour might be a guy that we have to see a lot from this year. Uh, we Maybe not necessarily what you want, but it might be what has to happen. So uh, it was good to see him have uh, a good game as well. Yeah, they definitely gave him the starter treatment. I was uh, pleased with what I saw, though. And, yeah, they're gearing up for a possibility of him having to start, obviously, him and Stevens. So that's that's fine. You know, We'll see if Darby's able to get up to speed and, and claim one of those spots. We'll see if Rock is able to do – the same i think it's inc- incredibly possible that neither of these guys are starters they go with rock and they go with darby but at this moment if they were playing tomorrow it'd be those guys so that's why they're keeping them bubble wrap and i think that's reasonable um we saw enough there's i really don't think there's much of a question with their roster spots and to me like <laughs> if, if i'm not worried about your roster spot i don't even want to see you really i guess like for trent simpson i'll make a pass because He's going to get a roster spot, but he doesn't have a clear path to the snaps. So for him, I was super excited to see him play. But for a lot of these other players, you know, that have clear snaps, like Stone. I don't know why he was out there. Two drives, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, he's Dino Stone. He's good. He's fine. Like, I think he's on the roster. So right, exactly. Yeah. Stuff like that. I, I, I mean, it just feels, it just feels to me like, you know, I mean, he played so many regular season snaps. It's just not that necessary, but whatever. There is there is a level of the way that they stage the players where like at one point they'll basically be like and now you're done right it kind of makes for an interesting problema particularly on the defensive line 
a, a position that we usually cycle players. But at the end, they were just like slamming the same guys over and over and over because they had no rotational pieces left, really. And they weren't going to like you know bring Urban back into the game or bring Blackson back into the game. So they're just like, all right, keep going after the pass rusher. And that that's just not what we actually ask those players to normally do. So for their perspective, like those snaps were almost like not great snaps, you know? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just don't think they had the tank. Hey, you know, conditioning, right? Conditioning. <laughs> I'm sure it's, they, they loved it. Uh, they loved it out there. Let's circle back to Simpson, though. We, we glossed over his name. That was a guy we didn't get to see against the Eagles, like we said. We really wanted to see him. Um, I hate to say it. Like, I, I, I had to go back and rewatch to, to pick up some of what he did. The, the biggest thing that, that stood out was, was that movie got juked for late in the game. Um, outside of that, I didn't really see too much of him when the actual game was being played. But um, didn't really feel like he had that big of an impact. Maybe there were some plays I, I missed. But um, again, uh, his first game action, so I at least got his feet wet. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't think we got too much of an idea f- of him from that from that uh, sighting. Do you feel differently? Not that different. I mean, he definitely had a cool bull rush, but he was unable to finish and bring down the quarterback. But it was one of those things where he just seemed to have more power and had the the offensive lineman just wheeling back the whole time. I felt like in coverage, and this was a constant, you know, you mentioned it earlier. These guys aren't PQ and Roquan, but it gives you appreciation for what those guys can do in coverage, particularly Roquan, right? He covers so much of the field. That's 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 why he changed Steven so much, in my opinion. Not only did he like know where plays were going or calling them out and just like good and and run defense, it was that he could just cover so much space, an, uh, an unappreciated amount of space in passing game. And more importantly, the number one thing that I've like become attuned to since we really started doing this show is how often you think like, oh, the cornerback led up that pass play to that wide receiver, but it wasn't the corner. It was the linebacker. The linebacker was out of position, giving that window even a chance. Like if he was there, the window wouldn't have been available or the throw would have been different. The back would have had more time to get there, et cetera, et cetera. So it really comes down to the linebackers making the throwing lanes more difficult and kind of covering up those deficiencies. And we have gotten spoiled from a couple games of Roquan, but we're back, baby, you know, preseason. <laughs> And these guys who aren't as good in coverage are back. And it was disappointing to see that Al Simpson because that was one thing I thought maybe would give him an opportunity to get more playing time, maybe even over Queen, if he showed that safety background of his and his knowledge of coverage, that you know maybe he'd be an even better option on third down, potentially, right? <laughs> maybe. Right. <laughs> and I feel like that's not even close at this point. And that's okay. Like, he doesn't have to be close. He's a third rounder. Queen was a first rounder with years under his belt. But... I was hoping for a little bit more. Obviously, you know, if he stays healthy, he'll get another game, another opportunity um, to get more reps. But it, it did make me curious if he's going to really have a spot on the team, barring injury at this point. I mean, obviously a roster spot, but like some of these guys, you know, will have a rotational role. I just don't quite see it yet for him. Yeah, I mean, it was just one game. But again, I mean, with the shortened preseason, you only have so many opportunities to make a statement. So hopefully this next game, uh, we'll be able to see him some more and make some plays. Uh, shifting gears, though, to another guy who didn't make a terribly big splash again uh, this week, a guy who we are expecting to have a, a, his spot in the rotation, get lots of snaps this year, uh, was David Ajabo, who um, 
I, I thought he played better this game. There were definitely some times uh, on the rewatch I saw where he was getting that inside spin move going a bit. A couple times where, where he was getting closer to collapsing the pocket. Um, his speed just doesn't seem to be there yet, yet, which, you know, it's preseason, so you're not too worried about it. But um, I think we're still waiting to see a little more from him. But I'm not too worried about it. I don't know if you're worried about it. I think we'll see a big year from him at some point. But this preseason definitely hasn't been uh, a teaser of what his ceiling can be so far. David Ajabo, man. <laughs> yeah, we saw a swim move out of him this game. That was good. Uh, good in that we saw a move. Bad that it didn't work out for him that much. Uh, I just, I was disappointed yet again. I think, I, while he did look better, I think, in some snaps, like you mentioned, I just don't know. I don't know, man. He looks so good in practice. And I'm not seeing it against NFL players um, in a game situation yet. I mean, we saw it last year. So maybe there's, he's taking it slower. I don't know. But I just, I'm a little concerned. Where, whereas when I first started, you know, preseason, I was getting excited about his capabilities, his, just his demeanor, the extra year to sharpen his tools and like kind of focus on that and his rehab. And then, and then, you know, good reports out of camp, et cetera. Uh, and then the games happened and I'm not so sure now with the games, the games would make me a little scared. And so my stock's down, but it's not, it's not like down and out. Right. Obviously. <laughs> but I just, I'm hoping that we're able to see those flashes before the regular season, but in the same vein, we have done some work, you know, bringing in Clowney to potentially have a other option that we can go to. I don't think Clowney really is what Ojabo is at this point in his career, but he has another outside linebacker who can take snaps. So I have to, I'm looking back at this. So I'm looking back at the box score right now. Uh, I was actually looking up someone else's stats, but Trent Simpson is credited with a sack in this game. Do you remember which play that was? He was close in a couple of the, the sacks, but I didn't think it was him. So that's I don't interesting. Know. Must've been one of them. I, I, I actually don't remember. I guess maybe we could find it if I look at the... Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back. I can't remember that. But um, another guy, though, who continues to... I definitely remember his sack and continues to have a good, great preseason. Travis Jones, I don't want to see him on the field at all next week. I think you probably feel the same. He's ready. His, his role is secured. He was a disruptor again along the line, just like he's been, was all last preseason, preseason all this preseason. We saw a great game from him. Um, I liked what I saw from, uh, from Nichols. I thought that he had a good game as well. A bit of a disruptor as well. I can't point to you to a specific play, but I just remember there were a lot of plays out there where it seemed like, you know, he was getting to the ball. He was doing some good things. He's another guy. Maybe he could be a depth piece. I'd have to look back at at what we're looking at with roster numbers, but, um, I think we're seeing some good returns from him as well. Yeah. Great point. I think with the the roster numbers, it's going to be difficult for him to find a spot. I think the roster numbers this year, if we have, if we do decide to do a show on like trying to pick the roster remarkably difficult this year, remarkably difficult. I, I truly <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm tilting. I have no idea, but anyways, <laughs> um, I think I did find the Trent Simpson thing, by the way, it was at one forty two, uh, no huddle shotgun. And it was the play actually where from was, uh, fumbled the ball but it went out of bounds oh okay 
So, so they credit him with a sack there. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big play though. We should have mentioned that, but I don't know. Maybe uh, that washed over me because I was, I, I don't know about you, man. Like, you know, they, they mentioned at the game, like this is normally where we start packing our backpack. I was like leaned in, you know, <laughs> I'm watching this <laughs> game, like fully leaned in at the end here, like wondering if we can close the door, disappointed that we haven't closed the door. Like I, it felt like a regular season game from how I was watching it perspective. Uh, cause I was just like, not, not about losing the streak. You know, I felt like it was an underperformance, so to speak. Like we should have been able to beat him. Uh, even though they, they, they tried way harder than we did, quote unquote, by like the level of a uh, player that they played. Sure. Yeah. But no, like, definitely. I, I was like, we should have beat him anyways. Ah, <laughs> it slipped through our fingers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, I think the roster spot question is a huge, huge question. And to me, it, it, the question might be, you know, first of all, they haven't played yet everything yet so there might be injuries that free it up but the defensive line is particularly interesting because they have uh, urban and blacks and both players they could do handshake deals with so you could in theory keep an extra player uh, and then try to like demote them or do some some kind of shenanigans i mean i was saying on the show with ken a week or two ago that the thing that's particularly interesting about these defensive line guys is that I don't see them being super duper coveted by other teams. So you could even go so far as cut them, don't resign them right away, wait until after week two or whatever it is. I think it's either after week two or on week two, sign them, and then it's a week to week contract. Um, hmm. And then they don't have to use as much cap space on them. I think you could even pull that off on both those players, if not at least one. So I don't know what they want to do realistically, but I could see it going either way. And, uh, yeah, the roster shakeup, like I mentioned earlier, if we do a show, I don't even know if I want to do a show because I'm so unconfident in like <laughs> how it's going to play out. Maybe, maybe we, like Jason from all of films wants to join or something and, and talk through it. I, I feel like it's really tricky. Cause then there's like the whole question too, of like to keep a third quarterback or not because of that new rule, but the, you know, it does take up a roster spot. It's not practice squad. A lot of people think it's practice squad. It's not practice squad, you know? <laughs> so it, it makes it really complicated. Yeah. Do you want to remind everyone of that rule? Yeah, so basically because of like the whole uh, Josh Johnson, Purdy injury situation um, in the NFC Championship game, they're like, ooh, like if you fill out all this paperwork about how your guys are clearly injured and can't go back into the game, you can then use the third quarterback that was on your active roster as a call-up. Like, <laughs> it's like really, really weird. Um, I. I it kind of blows my mind that there's all this paperwork involved. Like who has a team like other than maybe even like maybe it's San Francisco, but like they're trying to get rid of Lance at this point. Who has a team where you're like our backup and our third quarterback. We kind of want to mix it up. We want to use both. Like, you know, you don't right, exactly. Yeah. Like, what is this? Like there probably is clearly a tear break. You know what I mean? Like, I guess like maybe they're like, Oh, we're going to bench him and then we're going to like switch into the other guy. But like, I don't know. It, it just, it feels needlessly complicated. I don't know who thinks like this is such a competitive thing. It's just so that like a team can't run away with a game because there's no one that can actually throw the ball anymore. You know, <laughs> it just, it's kind of silly yeah. to me. If, if, it, if it were Alec, right. If it were Alec, what I would do is I'll keep Josh Johnson on some sort of speed dial, you know, Anthony Wright as well on speed dial. And I wouldn't have a 53rd court, like the quarterback on my roster until playoffs i think in playoffs it kind of makes sense to give yourself a little bit of like that extra safety net but during the regular season unless maybe like right at the end if you're like really like fighting for contention but i'm like i don't even think you do it in regular season like you can afford to lose a game and adjust keeping anthony right 
uh, at 47 on speed dial. <laughs> Anthony Wright, my bad. What's Anthony, his Brown. Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he, the guy, the man could be in really excellent shape, or he could also just be, you know, you know, like chugging hot dogs right now. I don't know, you know. It's like throw a beautiful in the dice there. <laughs> that would be really interesting if, if you know, if anyone wants to do bonkers NFL, like if it be kind of like who wants to be a millionaire instead of instead of phone a friend, it's it's phone a former quarterback. And you just put like 10 names into a random generator and it just spits out like, you know, a backup from 15 years ago. Just see if they can play. Anyways, I don't know where we're going with that. <laughs> don't mind me. This is preseason analysis. We're ready for the regular season. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. Before we sh- jump uh, to talking about the offense, since we already started um, eking a little bit with the quarterback, uh, anything else we wanted to talk about? I guess talk a little bit about the uh, outside linebackers that we were talking about last week. Um, not as big of... A performance as far as stats there but stats aren't don't always tell the whole story uh what did you see with with uh their performance sure yeah i mean ham forced the fumble uh allowed the ravens to get into the red zone with that and he did drop back i, I heard this on uh kevin cusick's podcast apparently he dropped back 11 times in the coverage sam roll and zero percent of the time was targeted boom lockdown lockdown what we were looking for ham yeah, I mean, <laughs> no one actually knows if he's locked down, right? But he didn't do so poorly, or they never tried to pick on him. So that's good. Uh, I think he is very close to securing himself a roster spot at this point. I think he's a priority to figure out the number game. He is a reason to use one of your handshake deals, in my opinion. Um, there's a couple players on the team that are like forcing the issue, in my opinion, and Ham is one of them. Uh, probably the number one player who's really forcing the issue on defense. Um, there's other players, too. Like... <laughs> I tell you, there's plenty of talk, people I would love to talk about about the defense, like quick hits. But, uh, you know, I think number one would have to be Ham. Number one on the defense, fighting for a roster spot that, like, they need to figure it out, Ham. I'm really intrigued with him as a prospect. Um, he's He's got a build that you like. Uh, he was a monster at, at Lafayette. Now, that doesn't always, you know, translate to the NFL. And you're talking about a smaller college. But he's shown a lot this preseason that he looks to me. I, I mean, I said it last week. I continue to say it, developmental piece. This guy could be a Raven. He has that build. Um, he looks really good. Hopefully we can keep him and, and do some things with him. Uh, you also had um, Jeremiah Moon come in in this game. Uh, he got a sack. Granted, it was one where he was just completely uncontested. Uh, so <laughs> basically a layup right there. But um, he was another guy who was flying around in the backfield, showed some stuff. Doesn't to me look like, you know, he's going to be the, the, the same thing, but just another linebacker to look at here. Uh, there's been a lot of good edge play in this preseason for the Ravens. Again, I don't know what of it translates to the regular season, but it feels like this has been in, in recent memory, one of the better years uh, of guys performance uh, from guys that were, you know, we're, we're, are just dice rolls, you know, these undrafted guys, we don't know anything about them, but they're coming to play and they're, making cases to, to be guys to stick around and for the Ravens to develop. Indeed. And I think another position group where that's remarkably clear is safety. Lucien. What a player. First of all, he's played good games, both games. Second of all, awesome guy. <laughs> Again, call, shout out to Kevin Kusick. He interviewed him and they talked about the UDFA process. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating. I think he sounded like a really sharp guy, a guy I want to root for inside or outside the organization. I think he has a future in the NFL. I hope 
it's a long future. I hope he's able to really solidify himself as a player. But I think he's playing well enough, and he has the savviness to really become a solid, you know, dime back, safety, special teamer kind of player. Um, just seems to be very intelligent about how he reads the defense and how he processes the game. And uh, he also is a mechanical engineer. So it's like, it's kind of funny. Like, the guy just seems really sharp, which I think is important for that position. Really important to be able to understand what the defense is trying to do to you and be able to react well. And he also seems to just have a huge love for the game. So I think those things are really uh, playing for him. And uh, I'm definitely keeping an eye on him and seeing. I think he is going to be a practice squad guy. I don't see the path currently, you know, without injury for him to have a roster spot. But practice squad feels solid. And just a question of like our practice squad or somebody else's and uh, or someone else's starting team. Who knows? But yeah, very interesting player. I guess the last guy we need to talk about on the defensive side before we move to the offense, um, guy we said last week we wanted to see more out of due to uh, some hints at some promising play. Uh, Caillou Bukele, uh, up and down game. Uh, yeah. Commanders definitely targeted him. So, you know, he got in more work than some of these other guys. Some of it was good. Some of it, he, he had some good pass defense. Others of it, you know, was not. Uh, gave up that touchdown there, unfortunately. Now that was to a guy who, who uh, it, it was a uh, Diami Brown, Diami right? Brown, I believe yeah. that was the play. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not McLaurin or Dotson, but you know, a guy who played significant snaps for the commanders last year. So it wasn't like he was going up against a fellow, uh, late round pick or an undrafted guy. So, you know, but, uh, made a great tackle there, uh, on the two point conversion. Yes. The quarterback got the ball out late, but still, you know, he can't do anything about that. All he can do is make the play that's in front of you. And he, he did that. I really like his his size out there. One of, that's one of the things that's really uh, stuck out to me is, is he's got really long arms. It, it just like it seems like a guy who could really be a guy who could be physical at the line of scrimmage and and tackle guys. But it's a lot of inconsistent play. Still seems like he's got a lot of development to go. I mean, if if Pepe struggled last year after he had a, a very impressive preseason, I'm not expecting that we're going to be seeing much of of him. Uh, on the field this year from what we've seen so far but I don't know I'm not giving up on him yet I think there's physical tools there that are intriguing but he definitely is going to need some coaching and some time to to figure out his craft at the NFL level at least that's what it seems right now totally agree I think where I said positive things about Lucian being able to process well being able to uh, you know um, transition from cornerback to safety and play fast because of it even being new to this position, I feel like he's playing pretty fast because of it. I think the opposite is true of Caillou. And it's really unfortunate to me that, you know, we asked, we wanted more playing time. We got it. We wanted him against better players. We got it. And he kind of fell short of the occasion. But like you said, there are some things to look at. He he did have that undeniable hold, but it was against Terry McLaurin. Uh, so maybe, you know, not the end of the world. But, I, you know, he got to be better than that for him to really give us what we want long-term out of him. But it was a good, it was a good learning experience, I guess. I just, yeah, it was a, a little disappointing, uh, to say the least. You know, we thought we saw glimmers and it was definitely a down, but you know, we'll have another opportunity against Tampa Bay. I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to play guys like Godwin and Evans, but if they do, that'll be an opportunity for him to really play against some top tier wide receivers and like see what he can do. But Developmental piece, I'm very 
curious how they handle him. Ravens traditionally don't cut late round guys, but they haven't never done it. They have done it before. They did it as recently as last year. Corner is a thin position, but it's scary to say that I think guys like Hayes that they just got played better than Caillou Blue Kelly, right? So, also like Caillou Kelly is the new thing. They, they dropped the blue. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what his name really is, but uh, <laughs> Caillou Kelly, as they now call him, uh, was was blue a, a nickname? I don't know. I thought it was maybe his middle name, but like a guy that like uses the middle name. I don't know. It's a good question. Blue. Oh, sorry. It's B-L-U, not B-L-U-E. I, <laughs> I, I, I definitely knew that. I definitely didn't think it was Caillou, the color blue, Kelly. But <laughs> anyways. It'd be a very strange um, name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it is interesting, like you're saying. It, corner is a, th- is a thin position, but it's an interesting thin. You would usually think a thin position would mean that the guy's um, spot is safe, but given the fact that this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations – like we need all the capable corners we can get, so that does give. Unfortunately, Kelly is a little behind the eight ball there because he's not ready to play this year. And while the Ravens don't like to to uh, cut guys who they drafted before, you know they've even gotten to play their rookie year, he still was a, a low draft pick. He wasn't a high one, so you know, like you're saying, uh, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever if it did happen it would still be surprising but yeah i I, you know they're gonna need a lot of corners this year does rostering kelly does that affect that you know if he's on the practice squad is that gonna affect that i don't know you know so that's unfortunately for him I, i do wonder if that does play in effect of of what ends ends up happening with him for this year it's just the fact that this position is is thin but it's thin in a way that needs as many able bodies yesterday as they can have i think you put it well i think the thing that's going to make it really tricky for caillou is i think it's a legitimate question to ask to say if they were to cut him would there be another guy who was cut from another team also a rookie that they got some actual NFL film, you know, on now that they thought played better and they had like a good enough grade on him to say, okay, we're going to bring him in. I think that's the, that's the troubling part. I would not be surprised. This, this corner class was so deep. We said how deep it was. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of these guys who get cut that we thought were pretty good just because, you know, there's not enough positions similar, maybe what the Ravens are experiencing, but an opposite where like they're good, but they just, they have other guys who stepped up. Who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to find another guy and, and sign him like that. I mean, like I said, Hayes, it seemed like Hayes played better <laughs> and he's just a guy. I mean, he, I think, um, if I recall correctly, actually Hayes has like NFL experience. Let me see. Yeah. Tay Hayes, like he's a three-year guy, right? But they found him cut by the lions. I think there's a chance that he is able to get the roster spot over him. He played five games for Carolina last year. Um, two games with the Patriots. So, he has NFL experience and he played kind of well. I mean, again, against later guys, who knows, but definitely keep an eye out for Tay Hayes and see if he can get a roster spot. It's like we're saying there's no point in doing a roster prediction this year. There's no point. All these moving pieces, all these things to think about. It's, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. The bet you have to make is like guy like Hayes has gone around the league a bit. (laughs) You know, he's, he's been on like four or five different teams now, six teams. 
he might not get picked up if you cut him. You might have an opportunity to re-get him into the practice squad. Whereas Kai, you might have another suitor in the draft that might be interested. Who knows? You know? So it, it's an interesting game that they have to play. And it's one that the Ravens are uniquely situated to play because I think they have a much better beat than we do of, you know, who's coveted around the league, you know? So we'll see. But it, it is an interesting question. The next cornerback select in the draft, so Kelly was drafted at number 157. The Bears drafted 165, Terrell Smith out of Minnesota. Wonder if they were looking at him too, and they were like, oh, we'll double dip. Never know. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the offense, um, I guess we'll get the quarterback position out of the way first because that's probably the easiest one to talk about. Nine-day performance. Uh, Josh Johnson looked like a completely different player. Anthony Brown threw some touchdown passes. Tyler Huntley was unfortunately not able to play due to, I think it was a, a shoulder injury, right? Yep. He did not suit up. Unfortunate for him because based on how everyone else played, he probably would have been able to uh, put up even more good tape. Now, he did play well against the Eagles, which he, the other two couldn't say. So uh, he at least has some good preseason tape to go back on if he is done for the year. Do we think that this changes anything for what the Ravens' plans are with backup quarterback, or do you think that we've they were always planning on doing which what we were talking about earlier huntley's the backup josh johnson is our 50 pages of paperwork work emergency guy in the unfortunate case that we would need him probably um i think johnson's pretty clearly the guy at this point if they're going to keep a third it's just a matter of if they're going to keep a third and i don't think i don't think that johnson is a two i think they keep huntley that's my hunch so yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I just don't know what they're going to do as far as keeping a third quarterback or not. And my question is, if Huntley feels better, do we see him anymore this preseason? Or is he done-done? That's the real question. If he plays again, then I am curious if he actually has a spot as solid as I think. Because I'd be stunned if they went with Johnson over him at this point. Because even though Johnson's played better and he's had good camp, I saw what he did in the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, I, not to say I didn't see what Tyler Huntley did either, but I just feel like if one guy is going to have a chance to improve at this point in their career and make a little bit of a step and maybe benefit from a better offense plan, you know, if, if Munkins is that guy, then I would go, I would go with, with Huntley. Yeah. I, I think all along, Huntley is has been the guy that they want to go with. Josh Johnson, like we said. I mean, they've had this guy before on the team. And then we didn't have him last year. And we knew that Lamar was coming back from injury. And we still said we'd rather go with Huntley. So I, I really don't see what more Josh Johnson would really bring than Huntley. We've talked about Huntley's shortcomings. We know them. But, you know, Josh Johnson is, is on a different team every year for a reason. Like, he, he knows how to play the quarterback position and he just can't do any of those things better than anyone else. So that's kind of just where he's been uh, in, the, in the league, just collecting jerseys. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, really for me, I think the only question here is, do the Ravens like Anthony Brown enough to keep him around on the practice squad? Um, haven't kept up on the camp notes as much as I should. Um, I've heard, I don't, you can, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard he struggled a bit in camp. Um, it's great that he had the two touchdown passes here. But again, that was against the. It was at the end of the game, absolute worst uh, defenders in there for Washington on their roster. So, you know, I it, it's, it's still. I mean, he's young, so I mean, I still think you take that into account. Um, 
he's going up against similar competition, so it's still good to see him perform well. But yeah, I don't, I don't know it, it, the what we finally saw from Anthony Brown when the when the season when the games are real really sticks in your mind as something that was not terribly enticing. But I don't I don't know if I really have a feeling one way or the other if they hold if they hold on to him. I think what we got to get to after that kind of conversation is the the one bright spot. I mean, not the only bright spot, but man, blindingly bright, bright you know, you're, you're like, my eyes seem to adjust so bright. <laughs> Say flowers, man. <laughs> Just getting Emmanuel Forbes out of his shoes on the first route, gets 11 yards, and then just basically dodges half a defense to get 26 yards, uh, you know, 21 yards after a five-yard catch of yak, uh, <laughs> get a touchdown. I mean... He did that, and I was like, "All right, wrap him up, <laughs> put him in bubble wrap." Like this guy is ready for for prime time. He has done all that he needs to do. Every time he holds the ball in preseason, somebody has fallen out of their shoes, and you know it's just he's he's dynamite. I can't think of many rookies that we've seen in. Re- I'd have to really think, but. Zay Flowers has made preseason football look so easy. That play was so effortless for him. And granted, you know, Washington, did they have the best coverage there? No. Did, was there good blocking for it too? Sure. But I mean, like, he, he was not trying. The man was not trying on that play. And, you know, he did a lot of stuff off ball against the Eagles. And, you know, I, people in the fantasy community I know are, are fading Zay who are not Ravens fans because they're just like Ravens draft a wide receiver. It's going to be a disaster, but I, I, he's, this guy is special. This guy is special. I know in, in the, uh, before the draft, Chris Sims was saying this guy reminded him a little bit of Antonio Brown. I definitely saw a little bit of Antonio Brown on that play. Will he be a a sane headed Antonio Brown? Well, that's, we're talking way ahead of ourselves. We got to see him do this in the regular season first, but I think, from what we've seen in the preseason, we're going to be seeing splash games from this guy very soon. He might have a couple hundred yarders before the end of October. That's uh, I don't know what else there is to say. This guy, we'll have to see what he does against the actual competition. But like you're saying, he did it up against a fellow first rounder, a guy who was very highly touted, a guy we were would have been super happy if the Ravens had drafted, and he just did it. Was able to do it so easily, man. I'm ready. Peter and I are playing in a fantasy league where the best player on your team, the highest scorer on your team gets guillotined, cut and put into either a, there's two leagues actually. One of them, they get cut (laughs) and they're done forever. They're done for the whole season. And the other one, and the one I actually have Zay flowers in they're cut. And then they're on the free agency pool. And I'm over here thinking to myself, Zay flowers could get like a two catch, 160 yard two touchdown game like it's in the range of outcomes and he's gonna be gone you know like and he's my uh you know seventh round guy i just like i could totally see a spot where he has like a huge blow-up game because yeah he just gets like crazy yak i think he that's the thing i'm most excited about with him is you can do a layup and then we'll see what he does after the catch and that's just super exciting to see a guy that is so dynamic with the ball in his hands I'm looking before before the calendar turns to November. We play games against Houston, against Detroit, against the Cardinals. I'm circling all three of those games as as they, he he. We're gonna get up big. It might be because of him, 
but there's gonna be t- he's gonna he's gonna eat man he is gonna gosh he's gonna be so good this year we're in the I, bag we're in the bag <laughs> i don't like when you i don't like when you drag me onto the hype train man but like i you didn't totally do it i mean chris sims man you go back and, and you look at his receipts from the past few drafts he really knows what he's talking about he said that zay flowers before the ravens draft him he said zay flowers was the best wide receiver in this draft class and there was no question about it this is the same man who said back in 2018 before teams drafted that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were the only quarterbacks of note uh, in that draft class. Uh, he's hit. He's hit on a lot of things. He said Zay Flowers is is going to be the guy, and uh, so far it certainly seems that way. So Just go back to that conversation after they draft him. EDC played the lip service. He says stuff that he always says, but I feel like EDC is intentional. He didn't have to say it, but what he said was, I don't think I've ever been more comfortable to pick a guy with the first overall pick for the Ravens, you know? And that's crazy because they've drafted some crazy guys. <laughs> yep, <laughs> They've drafted some really good players, you know? I mean, I think they were probably thrilled about Hamilton. They probably didn't see it coming that he would drop that far and they drafted him. Whereas they, I think everyone saw him falling that far and they were just licking their chops. You know, like it wasn't like at all shocking that he made it to us and it wasn't shocking that we picked him, but it was just one of those things where I don't know. He didn't have to say that he could have not said it, but it's an interesting thing to say. And it makes me ever since he said that, it's like you have my attention, you know, (laughs) I really do think EDC says very important things. Like if you go back and watch the press conference where they were like, uh, you know, introducing the, the third, uh, the third day picks, He's like, I don't know. Maybe we'll do something crazy. Maybe we'll pick again. Like, I mean, that was a real, like, there's a reason he said it, you know? <laughs> he was intentionally trying to, to let you know they might not be done yet. I mean, and sometimes you just can't contain your excitement because the excitement's that real. It's that tangible. And, man, I don't like I don't like talking to guys too, up too much before they've done things in the actual games that matter. But I think Zay's, Zay's going gonna, gonna to be great. He's going to have a big year. That's going to be great. <laughs> Talking about guys who fall in the draft, um, John Simpson does not look like a guy who was formerly a fourth-round pick. Uh, he's looked very solid. He's looked very solid again against Washington. I, I really like what I'm seeing from him. Uh, he's made a couple highlight blocks. Um, he's got a really wide stance. I don't know if you've noticed when he, he's out there and and there's no one. His his man isn't, isn't really there. He's got – he just – lays his, his arms out. It looks like they're 12 feet across. Um, <laughs> again, a guy we could have had over Tyree Phillips. Uh, just drafted a couple picks later. Very interesting. Very interesting how things could have been different. Um, again, we have to see what he does in the regular season too. But I'm actually, it's so funny because going into last year, we had so many questions about the offensive line. So many questions about even just left tackle Stanley. Right now, this offensive line looks set, and it looks to be one of the strengths of this team with Stanley and Moses at tackle. Of course, you'll have Zeitler. Linderbaum had a, had a good rookie year. Hopefully, he can build on that. And Simpson looks like he's going to, to fit flawlessly in with this group and pl- provide, at worst, solid play from the left guard position. You know, Salah, he's, in, he's intriguing. He's an intriguing prospect. He's not there yet. Even look at PFF. Um, they, they had some numbers in there in their review of the game. Uh Simpson vastly outperforming Salah by the metrics that they run there at PFF. Again, uh, you know, I know everyone has opinions on, on PFF, but still, 
like the numbers they have here. You have a 77.5 run blocking grade for Simpson, 84 pass blocking grade. Um, unfortunately for Salah, he's earned sub 40 grades in both pass blocking and run blocking, according to PFF. Um, and honestly, the eye test really, really shows you that, you know, and again, Salah, he's developmental. That's fine. That's not saying that he won't be a good player down the road, but I think this, this competition is done. Simpson is a guy who does not need to play week three. He's going to be the starting left guard, unless there's something behind the scenes that we just don't have information about. It seems to me like this, this battle's over. Indeed. It is over. I think it's uh, safe to say. Um, yeah, uh, I think you wrapped it up honestly perfectly. <laughs> I'm just so fired up about John Simpson, and I'm going to be yeah, so I mean, sad no, if I'm great. wrong. But and he I, looks I like wish, a stud. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had more to say. Did you have anything that you had thoughts on with uh, Cleveland this game? You know, I will be honest and say that I did not watch him as closely um, as I would have liked. I guess for me, Cleveland's just kind of fallen off the map a little bit because they're just not giving him a slot. Uh, snaps at left guard and it's just kind of disheartening because I like Cleveland um I think that he's someone who's intriguing but yeah let's put it this way nothing bad stuck out like there was no play where it was quite obvious that he messed up yeah but again you know there's so many players we got to look at I have to admit I just had I didn't look at at his film yet uh going into this because um I, I was just so invested in the in the battle between Simpson and Salah that that Cleveland who is probably fighting for a roster spot at this point. Um, yeah, I just I just didn't get around to him yet. Yeah, I mean, I actually am pretty similar, where I feel like I was watching that left guard spot so closely that I missed it. I did try to take a few snaps of watching uh, Cl- uh, Cleveland straight up, and I thought he played well in those snaps. So I didn't have like a, you know like I said a full game watch of of just kind of like staring at him. But I I also agree with your note of like I didn't notice a play where he clearly messed up. You know, sometimes you can, you see where the mess up, you see where the pressure's coming from, you know, who's like, you know, chasing uh, (laughs) and and stuff like that. And I didn't, I didn't really see that from him. So I think he probably had a pretty good game. That's my guess, but I wouldn't, you know, that's not gospel. Yeah. So I will say again, a guy who I didn't watch as closely as I would have liked, but uh, Falele definitely got beat a couple times. Um, I can't recall if he gave up a sack, but there's definitely sometimes or still, um, he didn't get a clean block on his on his defender it's a couple times where he got beat so like that was just casually watching the offensive line you know that stuck out but with cleveland nothing's nothing's uh sticking in my mind at the moment that that stood out epic yeah i i think you know it really stuck out dude i think this is a, a, a huge huge battle this is the big one i think on offense in my opinion what the heck are they going to do with their big guys tight end watch fullback watch you know, Kohler was the first out there. He had that first drop, and you're like, gosh darn it, Kohler, you know? <laughs> and then he had the two <laughs> big catches down the seam. Vokalek, using his huge frame, being very friendly, able to haul in touchdowns. Ricard, he had snaps too. And, uh, I mean, he looked like Ricard, but I'm over here thinking to myself, all right, you cut Ricard, you save 1.7. You keep Vokalek around, that's a... It's a little under a mil, you know, it's like not that much savings, but it is a guy that you would have for longer. Ricard has even bigger savings next year. And I'm just like, can they afford to play games with Vokalek? Do they have the roster spots to protect both? And I don't know if they do. And I'm just thinking to myself, like as as sad as it might be to say, I think Vokalek might be that guy. And 
and and or or they got to figure out what they want to do with Kohler. Because I honestly think at this point I'm more excited about Vokalek and what he offers is different than Kohler. And I'm not even like trying to crap on Kohler. It's just like <laughs> I'm so curious about Vokalek. <laughs> I think there there's a really important question here that I just don't know if we have insight into, and that is what do the Ravens view Patrick Ricard? As what, what's his value to the team in a non-Greg Roman offense? I think it's a valid question. Um, if we even remember in, in 2018, um, I'm pretty sure, or maybe it was 2017, there was a, there was a point, a pretty sizable stretch uh, during one of those years where Ricard was basically out of the offense. Like he wasn't getting on the field at all. And then when Lamar came in and we started going back to an even more run-centric offense than we were doing with Flacco. That's when he he came in and really started making his calling card. You know, I we'll have to see, but it just like fullback is a position that's not used in the NFL these days. And you've got, of course, a great receiving room at tight end position with Andrews and Likely. Andrews is a solid blocker himself. Likely, we know, had has some issues, but I think his blocking got a little better as the season went on. Um, Kolar can't block at all right now. Um, and I'll admit, I, Vokalek, I was trying to go back. I, I, I haven't found blocking snacks of him yet. So I don't know. I'd imagine he's somewhat of a decent blocker, though, because I look back at his college stats. The guy only had like 30 receptions for his career in Nebraska. Like, yeah, seriously, like he, he's having like half of his college production in receptions already in this preseason. It's incredible. But yeah, if, if you, it's an interesting question. I think if you decide, if the Ravens decide that Ricard, because of his veteran presence, because of what he can do as a blocker when put in a role where he can succeed is still valuable to this team. We, even with Greg Roman gone, I think if you're the Ravens, you have to trade one of these two because I don't see how you sneak Vokalek onto your practice squad. He's put up too much on tape in this preseason. I can't off the top of my head think of a team that would want to scoop him up, particularly since a lot of teams in the past two years have, have really done a lot of drafting of young tight ends. I mean, you, you go through the, the list of teams in the league, like everyone aside from maybe the Jets either has a, a veteran presence at the tight end position or has drafted a guy. So you know, I, I can't think of a team that would have an immediate need, but I think there'd be a lot of teams who'd be interested in him as a developmental guy, just as we are. So then it comes down to the question, you keep Ricard, I think you trade either Kolar or Volkovec, and you know what? I am actually more leaning towards, and in some ways this feels crazy because it's only a small sample size, I'm more in leaning towards trading Kolar just because I think that Volkovec offers you a slightly different skill set than what you have with Andrews and Likely, whereas with Kolar, it feels like it's too much of an overlap, right? Like, how is yeah. he seeing the field? He does basically what Andrews does, uh, you know? I, I think Vokalek offers enough of a difference, and he might be a decent enough blocker, and we know Kolar has a long way to go as a blocker. He'd bring, he'd likely bring a, a slightly higher capital, being a, you know, a fourth-round pick versus an undrafted guy. I don't know. That's, again, I, I have no idea. I have no idea, and it's going to be super interesting to watch. I don't even know what the right take is. But I think the Ravens have options here, and they're they're going to have to. If you keep Ricard, you're going to have to trade one of those two because you're losing Vokalvec, almost certainly. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I I just don't know 
if Ricard offers enough, like this is just I, it's something I keep circling back to of like when he's on the field, even if he blocks well, is he offering enough when he to like trip up the defense where you're like, okay, I'm, I, they might be passing the ball or like he's a threat that we have to keep coverage of. Otherwise, like it just, I don't know, man. That's like, I think that's the, qu- the question with him. Maybe I'm just too simple minded and I'm like, now nah, I want a guy <laughs> like a tight end or a wide receiver where it's pretty clear, you know, like a tight end. I can, I can trust that they can block. I can trust that they can go out and catch the ball. And like Ricardo, I just like, he's not quite there. He's not quite there. So yeah. I just, I'm not as creative. I'm not as able to, to weigh the options of, of him being that just that good at blocking where I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to, I want to go with him. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of where I'm at with, yeah. with that whole question. I will say, I think that the Ravens tend to um, go with the more veteran guys. So I am fully expecting, again, I wouldn't be shocked, but I am expecting that Ricard will be, will make this team. So in that case, I think that it would be smart for the Ravens to explore trade opportunities for Kolar or or Volkovec, whose name I keep saying wrong. There's not an extra V in there. That's Volkovec. There we go. I think Kolar would have more (laughs) trade value, right? But like you know, like you were like I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you didn't say this, but like with Volkovec, you know who would like gobble him up in a heartbeat? Anyone that was willing to sign Josh Oliver for a pretty large deal. <laughs> because yeah. he feels like a younger, yeah. like, potential Josh Oliver guy. Like, willing, blo- like, big guy, blocker, able to catch some pa- passes with some soft hands. Like, that's who, you know? And there's plenty of teams, I think, that are interested in a guy like that. So, I, I think he's going to be a tough one. Yep. Jets, I'm telling you, Jets. We're a good trade partner with them. They have no tight ends. Except for Conklin, maybe. So maybe maybe the Jets. I could see that. Yeah, like Koontz up there. Yeah, but he hasn't done anything this preseason. Yeah. Whereas Vo- whereas Vokalek actually has. He's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like I think we we want to maybe wrap up the show talking about the the last darling, and that's Keen Mitchell. Obviously, he's staying an injury, but apparently not serious. Everything's not serious these days. But uh, shoulder injury, I think it is, and. He just is able to keep racking up these highlight plays, making himself feel less and less able to be cut. You know, I think you're playing with all the fire if you cut a guy like him at this point. And the question is, you know, previously, were the Rays going to keep four running backs on the roster? I don't know. I was thinking no. But now I'm thinking, yeah, because Justice Hill, Justice Hill playing great, the starter, notable in my opinion. I think it's, I think it's notable because. I'm starting to wonder if a guy like Munkin is like, I love J.K. Dobbins. I want to use J.K. Dobbins nonstop. If I lose J.K. Dobbins, I want a player that plays as close to J.K. Dobbins as possible, and that's Hill. And I'm wondering if he's not having a, a role as clear for the Gus bus. You're not the first person who said that. I'm just still not convinced of that. Um, I, I've, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't see... I can certainly see Dobbins getting majority of the carries. I don't see Justice Hill playing over Gus Edwards, and that's just me personally. Um, we've seen this preseason before from Justice Hill, and then we've seen the regular season. We've seen him make a couple splash plays, but nothing close to what the production is that he gets in um, in the preseason. Now, I will say there was a bit there where it did look like maybe Justice Hill was ahead of Edwards in that game against the Eagles when uh, Edwards, for whatever reason— 
maybe we'll find out at some later time, uh, came in the game after Hill had already played, came in, what was it, second or third drive. That's still curious, but Edwards didn't see the field at all this game, and that wasn't due to injury to, any, to my understanding. So I, I still think Edwards is going to be given a shot to be given carries in this offense unless unless you're like you're saying Munkin just doesn't see him as a good fit in his offense but I just I I can't see it he had a power back with Nick Chubb um with the Browns I think I think Gus Edwards will continue to have carries in this offense um that said though 100% Keaton Mitchell is a player the Ravens need to hold on to in some fashion that speed is no joke this is a guy again we were excited when we, he got here, and he's given us no reason to not be this preseason. Is he a guy who's going to be able to break tackles? No, probably not. But with that speed, he might not have to. You know, I, he can get in there. He can be a guy that we can, you know, be in there for certain packages, stretch the field, make some plays. Yeah. It, again, similar problem that you're having with with Vocal. Like, how do you get him on the roster if you want to uh, to carry Dobbins, Edwards, um, Hill? And I, I maybe maybe Ricard fits into there too because is he a tight end? Is he a running back? Is he a fullback? We don't really know, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, another guy that would really be really frustrating if the Ravens lost, and it'd be more frustrating if they lost him than Vokalek, honestly, because while Vokalek is very solid, like Mitchell has like next level speed that is rare, I think, even at the NFL level. So, hopefully, they're able to get uh, some way to keep him because there is some real, really dangerous playmaking ability there. For that guy yes agreed and I feel like he's a guy that could actually fill in quite well as a returner in the case that Duvernay is hurt or traded and I think that's important you know we want another guy like that I mean we didn't we briefly mention that Prochet has been like complete black cloud I mean another play of just absolute like sadness you know <laughs> I know he wants it bad but you know what in a way like I feel he's taken off plays at the end. Like that last Could play be. of the game. Yeah. He felt like lackadaisical trying to like get to the ball. And I was just like, man, you know, can't have that. So I don't know. Uh, James, I feel like he needs to see like a therapist or something. I, I just, I, I feel for him. I, I was one of the biggest supporters of his and, and fans. And now I'm just like, just concerned about him <laughs> on multiple levels as a human. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think we're reaching a little far in this, saying if we know what is or isn't going on in someone's head, but <laughs> I mean, maybe a fresh start would be good for him. You know, I, it's it's not going to happen here, particularly with the depth we now have at wide receiver. Tylen Wallace had another touchdown this week. Same place. He play. has to be. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, he has to be ahead of Prochet on the depth chart. There's there's no question in anyone's mind that the coaching staff has to view him as a better um a better member of the, of the team at this point. So hopefully for him, uh, he's able to get another shot with some NFL organization and it, it works out with him, but it is, we talked about it last week. It's Tylen Wallace. He's going to get a spot over Prochet If anyone does, um, maybe not a, a guarantee. We'll see. Um, cause I'll be the sixth wide receiver spot, but if anyone's going to get it, it's going to be Wallace. I think it's important that we wrap up the game. Maybe instead of talking about MVPs, but talking about the streak, Maybe the MVP is the streak. The streak. Absolutely. And, you know, I, you know, it is funny. It's it's a good time. It was a good time. There were a lot of things happened. Um, August football is always fun. You know, it's especially for us who are big nerds about the roster, and we want to see what these guys who, who don't usually play can do. And it's always fun when they win the games, even if it doesn't really matter at the end. But um, 
you know, just wanted to highlight some big moments from the streak and some big names. We talked about the lamppost of honor last week. We're going to get <laughs> yeah. it constructed. Um, we're at least going to going to to try. We'll see. I don't know how we're going to try, but it might just be a Photoshop in front of the stadium. Honestly, that's probably what it'll be. But um, I, I would have loved to go on this list a little more. But some names that I wanted to recognize here as as helping to make this streak happen. Some big names that had some big games. Uh, quarterbacks Tyler Huntley uh, and Ryan Mallett had great preseason during this streak. Um, Ryan Mallett unfortunately passed away a couple months ago in, in a riptide, I believe. Um, yeah. Very sorry to hear. Other guys who had great uh, games, um, Bobby Rainey, we remember him. Uh, Gus Edwards, who can forget the 2018 preseason. Um, there was lots of chatter. Would he make the team at all? But that Was he just a preseason darling? We know how that turned out. Uh, Jeremy Butler was a guy, I think, what was that, around 2016, 2017, had some big preseason games. Uh, Jaleel Scott, uh, last seen with the Jets. I don't know if he's still in the league or not, but he had some good preseasons. And then on defense, uh, Travis Jones, been a monster the past two preseasons. And uh, Anthony Levine, year in and year out, great guy in the preseason. And, of course, we got to talk about Justin Tucker. Did his thing in the preseason just like he did in the regular season, making big kicks. And how can we forget uh, Kyrie Vedvik? Uh, great preseasons led to Broderick Washington coming to town, like we talked about. Ravens were able to trade him for the pick that would eventually be Washington. Any other names you can think of that I that I left out, Alec, who had uh, some pretty notable preseasons uh, during this streak? Man, I mean, Geno Stone had Gino a great Stone, preseason yep. last year, but that's just because I think of recent memory. But I think there's, <laughs> I think he's worth bringing up because one of the trends of the preseason streak is there's usually a guy like you mentioned these these lamppost guys that like does the extra effort is like the star of the preseason preseason maybe gets more snaps than they necessarily should and like kind of closes the door and um yeah but my favorite honestly of the whole list was probably vedvik because he was such a sensation we traded him and we were able to get <laughs> washington who we just signed to the extension so like you know in a way he his that's 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 why the streak matters the streak matters because you're able to turn some of these guys <laughs> you know we're talking about all these like potential trades the ravens can make oh trade this player trade that player you know uh i mean there's people still calling for patrick queen to get traded you know, to get some more depth in other places, like, because we have all these linebackers inside linebacker log jam and like, what are we going to do with all of them? And this is, this is what we're talking about, man. Find this depth, find these players, find these tokens in order to go ahead and make more out of your roster. It's super important. I used to not be a big fan of the preseason. I used to think little of it. I used to not be into it. And now I'm all about the preseason. I think it's fun for what it is. You have to just like, actually care this is like where i feel the true fans come out to feast true fans are like i want to know about the guys who are gonna be on my practice squad i want to know who gets called up on sunday you know and like is needed to play some snaps i want to know about these guys i want to i want to follow the nigel warriors of the league and be like Absolutely. oh <laughs> you know where do they go i mean it's just like not that not to say you're not a true fan if you don't like preseason it's just right. like you know you really nerd out about these players and these positional battles and depth pieces, even though, you know, a lot of these players are never going to be making the league, never going to play football again at this kind of level, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. And I think that that last part, I do want to step back for a second there, because think about it. If you really think about it, like, gosh, all, a lot of us listening to this, maybe everyone like grew up watching sports and playing some sport or multiple sports to some capacity. And like, you always dreamed when you were a little kid of like playing in, 
you know, a big game and like, you know, having some impact on it. And like some of these guys, like, you know, Nigel Warrior, again, like we're saying, you know, not to pick on him, but just a guy like who we're putting out here, like he can go around the rest of his life and just and be like, man, I didn't make it in the NFL, but, but I got pretty darn close, like way closer than most people do. And like, you know, I don't know. It puts into a little, little bit of a perspective there when you think about it that way of just like, yeah, from a fan's perspective, like these aren't the real games. This isn't the big time, but in some ways it is, you know, in some ways it, it's, uh, it's the climbing of a summit of, of someone's, uh, craft, someone's career. And that part, even though didn't make it all the way, still got him pretty far and is still a pretty big accomplishment. So yeah, definitely credit to those guys, uh, following their dreams and, and making something of it. Anyways, though, to wrap up this whole thing, um, I put together a list, top five moments from the streak, top five plays. Uh, this is by no was by no means exhaustively researched. This was just a couple plays that I remembered that I thought, uh, or moments in some cases that were cool to remember from the streak. Going to start out with an honorable mention, 2019 week one. We were at this game together with correspondent Kfish um, and with, uh, with Chris. Kenny Young comes out of nowhere. Gardner Minshew, man. I can't remember exactly what he was doing. The man was not wearing his helmet properly that entire game, for what I remember. <laughs> and Kenny Young just comes through, just sacks him so hard that, that Minshew's helmet just like flies 10 feet in the air and just, I'm all for player safety, but at the same time, like Minshew, man, wear your helmet correctly. And <laughs> Kenny Young made him remember that. Uh, that was a big sack. That one stood out. Uh, to the list, uh, top five moments. Uh, number five, I thought last week, Ardarius Washington intercepting at that two-point conversion attempt. Um, kept the streak alive for one more week. That was a great play. Looking back on here, there was a lot of games here where the Ravens, uh, the streak continued because of um, holding on a two-point con- attempt conversion. That happened multiple times. Very interesting. Um, number four, 2022, week two. Uh, Isaiah Likely's dominant performance. Eight catches, 100 yards, and touchdown against Arizona. Uh, that was just a huge game, huge performance from Likely. Made Chris eat crow. Uh, <laughs> number three, uh, 2016, week two, um, very early in the streak. This might have actually, I think this was the second win in the streak. Uh, the Colts were going for two, and Anthony Levine said, we're going to the house, and intercepted it, brought it back, uh, and that allowed the Ravens to win that game. Number two, 2021, week three, this was the game where the Ravens actually broke the record, and... Honestly, it was it was done with so little fanfare that I didn't even remember um, that, that that was the record-breaking game. But it was a huge game from Huntley. Four passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Just completely dominated. I believe that was the Panthers. Great game from Huntley. Number one moment on the list, 2018, week one. Lamar Jackson, Hall of Fame game against the Bears. Throws a touchdown pass to Hayden Hurst on a short out route. First of many touchdown passes we see from Lamar. And I think that one was more memorable than the rushing touchdown that he would have the next week against the Rams because there was all that talk in the draft that this guy is just a running back. No one should be drafting him as a quarterback. And in his first game of NFL action, even if it's just a preseason game, uh, he threw a touchdown and said it wasn't bad for a running back. So <laughs> there you have it. And we're looking out for the 30 and for 30 in the next decade or so. It's going to be great. The streak. Yeah, man. Well, you know, it's time to start a new tradition. 
see if we can beat the uh, Bucks, start a new streak. That'll be on Saturday. Quick turnaround. We'll record sometime next week. But uh, we'll do that, and then it's then it's, you know regular season warm up. You know we'll have a an episode maybe reacting to you know roster how they finally shook it up how they made the final roster, and then also of course looking forward to the first game against Houston. But uh, man, Peter, it's unbelievable. Like football is here. The year is going to be starting up soon. I feel like uh, the Orioles have really made this come back so fast. You know, it's just unreal that we're at this point this uh in of the year that's crazy amp for it though can't wait kickoff can't come soon enough indeed and we'll be around all season long breaking it down for you guys thanks so much for listening find us on x at one winning pod find us on email one winning pod at gmail.com we'll be back next week go Ravens.